Well, good morning. My name is Jim Watanabe, and uh, the things that you need to know about me is as in uh, December 2018, I was released from the Federal Bureau of Prisons after 22 years in prison. No, actually, I, I mean, truthfully, I was in the federal prison for 22 years, but I wasn't an inmate. I like to tell that to people because a lot of times people will go, oh, I got a lot of tats, yeah, I got a lot of tattoos, you want to see them? Yeah. Uh, no, I, started, I was a prison chaplain for 22 years, and uh, it was my privilege and honor to be around some of the greatest Christians that I've ever met in my life, inmates, prodigal sons and daughters. There's nothing like a prodigal son when they come home. Amen? Uh, I'm Gabby's dad, and she just booked out to get mom, and that's all you really need to know about me. I'm Gabby's dad, okay? I'm Gabby's dad. She's great. <laughs> Not sure about her, her, her husband yet. I've, I've got to work on that one. Grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm also a combat veteran in the United States Army, and so that's why I like my hair short. It's because I can't stand long hair. It just drives me buggy. But anyway, yeah, uh, I'm from the state of Washington, Washington State, and a little town called Spokane. And if you know where that is, you're doing good because that's God's country out there. And it's rather much like down here because all they do up there is grow wheat and farm and do cattle and ranching and some lumber and some mining. It's kind of like down here. What do we do down here? We do cattle, we do farming, and, and stuff like that. So very much the same, except it's a lot drier up there, and it can be really, really cold. And I'm kind of glad to be down here because I don't do cold anymore. I do not like snow, Sam I am. I do not. So I'm down here, and I found out that, and I married a Texan, and I found out that if a Texan you should wed, in Texas you will stay and you will die in Texas, and you will be buried in Texas, and there's no leaving Texas. Uh, my hobbies are I love to fish, and I like doing dishes. Apparently, that's what I do in the house. I like to fish, and that's one of the most godly things that a man can do. Uh, your, your music minister will tell you, give me a hearty amen, because he's a fisherman too. But today I want to look at the highest expression of love. It's forgiveness. Now, this topic of forgiveness, it's a very serious topic, and we could go on for days and days and days about what forgiveness is and how it should be applied to our lives. It is difficult. In fact, I think becoming a forgiving Christian is probably the most difficult thing that we can do as a Christian, giving it up. Because once you learn to forgive, you will learn about humility, and you will learn about sacrifice along the way. By the way, according to Google, Dr. Google says the word agape is used 102 times in the New Testament, but the word forgive or aphiomi is used 134 times. That's a lot of times that God is using that word, aphiomi, to forgive. And that tells us if anything, that forgiveness is a big thing about what we should be about. But the question is, is are we? It's easy to come to church on Sunday morning, and, I, I'm, you know, and I'm not trying to hit people on the head, but if I'm hitting people on the head, maybe that's a good thing. But are we? Are we loving and forgiving people that God wants us to be today? 
You know, we don't have to go far to see what this world is doing right now. Today we see hatred upon hatred and more hatred. I mean, you just watch the news and you see hatred being spewed out from all over the place. And it's sick. it makes me sick. And I see so much unforgiveness in this world today and hatred. And it, as a Christian, it makes me sick. It makes me weep to think about what is going on. And I feel that in my heart that our country would be better off if we could learn to forgive one another instead of saying, I got my rights and I you know, and, and I'm more important than you, and that you have, to, you have to come to me for forgiveness. If we could but learn to learn to forgive. Again, theomy is a verb form, and it means to send forth or to send away. In the original Greek, theomy in the Koine Greek, means to send forth or to give away. In the Old English, it meant to let go. Let go, let go, let go. You know, the other day, how many of you like getting honked when you're driving around and someone honks at you? You know, don't you just love it when someone does that? You know, and so, you, you know, you, and, I, and the other day I was driving, I was down Bowling Avenue and I was making a right, and this guy in this little Honda has a temerity to honk his horn at me in anger. And so I was in prayer that night. I said, oh Lord, thou knowest that I am a superb driver. You can ask anybody. And that, Lord, I was minding my own business. And out of nowhere, this, this, uncertain, this Philistine, I'm sorry, I'm, I almost said a bad word there. This Philistine came and honked his horn at me with all, with all malice. Oh, the nerve of this fellow. Lord, thou knowest that I'm a compassionate man, but Lord, would, would, wouldst thou smite him? Lord, would thou smite with smitiest smite ever? I would just love to see him be smitten by you, Lord. Oh, Lord, just smite him. Just, just a little bit. Can you, just a little bit. Just a little, could you make him crawl across a cattle yard out there on 365, which I know is full of chiggers and ticks and fire ants and, and nasty things. And oh, Lord, well, thank you for the rain, because he's going to crawl through that. Yeah, yeah. And then, Lord, make him come to me. And Lord, let, let him be with tears in his eyes, begging for forgiveness, begging for never to honk his horn at me ever again. And Lord, in my compassionate mercy, I will look down upon him and say, please don't honk at me ever again. And the Lord would look at me and say, eh, no, it doesn't work that way. Hey, but that, 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 that makes for great press, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> There's one thing about pastors is we like to use big words. And so temerity, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah, we like big words. But anyway, so let's look at the text today. It's found in John or Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 31. And it said this, Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times, or, uh, but 77 times. And he said, therefore, and then Jesus launches into a parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay his master, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. 
So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that, or the master of that servant released him and forgave him his debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him and began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay that debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported that to the master, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you a debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had had mercy upon you? So the exposition, let's go look at that a little bit. Peter, knew, Peter comes up and asks Jesus, well, if my brother offends me or sins against me, uh, I have to forgive him up to seven times. See, in rabbinical teaching, that was the rule. If someone offended you seven times, then you had to forgive him seven times. But on the eighth time, you didn't have to do that. And I'm thinking, offending someone seven times, that's amateur. I mean, I could do that in 30 seconds. I can offend someone in 30 seconds. I mean, that's amateur. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, anyway, so especially people who are closest to me, they know that I can be very offensive at times. Uh, I don't mean to be, but that's what's happened because I'm a dad. And oh, by the way, I have mastered dad jokes, ladies. I am, I am, I'm one of the best dad joke ever. I, I, I'm really good at that, by the way, even though they roll my, their eyes at me all the time. Anyway, Peter said seven times seven, and then Jesus answers him in a way that Peter does not expect. But then again, we notice that Jesus does this to Peter continually. Well, Peter, you got it almost right. And Peter was expecting Jesus to say, boy, you got that right. Eight times, slam him. And Jesus said this, 70 times or 77 times. That's really basically saying you keep on forgiving and there is no end to it. You just keep on forgiving. That was the, that was the number, 77 times and that was, just, that was Jesus saying, you just keep on forgiving him. It's not a literal 77 times. It's not and on the 78th time, pow, right in the kisser, you don't have to forgive him. Jesus was saying, you got to keep on forgiving him. So anyway, commentators, okay, go, commentators think that that's not, the 77 is just a, a, a theoretical number. And then Jesus begins with a parable. And he says this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle the account with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. I Googled that one. I like to Google things a lot. I think, how, how many of you like Googling things? I, I do that all the time. And I have one of these weird brains that I, I want to know things that are absolutely worthless. I mean, I love trivia. Uh, don't play Trivial Pursuit with me because I love trivia. But anyway, so I figured out what is 10 talents worth today? That's a little bit north of $14 billion. Okay, now think about that. What Jesus is saying, or what the parable is saying, is there was no way in this world or the next that this man would ever be able to repay the master. $14 billion. That's an awful lot. And the point is, he owed a debt he could not repay. 
And since he could not pay his master, his master ordered him sold with his wife and his children and all he had. So payment would be made. You know what? He could have sold his wife, his children, and all he had, and that would be not even come close to the $14 billion that he owed. But out of pity, now that Greek word pity is the same word that Jesus used, or that was used of Jesus, when he felt compassion upon people. And it's basically, it means it comes from the gut. And one of my favorite Greek words is spodazo, which means bust a gut. But it means it comes from the gut, or from, the, from, the in, from, from your innermost being. That's where the master felt that. That's where, the, where Jesus feels that towards us. In, our, in, in his inmost being, he felt compassion. And out of pity for him, that master of, of the servant released him and forgave him a debt. Now that is an amazing thing. I mean, it's not easy to forgive a debt of $5, let alone $14 billion. I mean, think about that. $14 billion, he just wrote that debt off. Do you think Exxon would do that for you? Nope. You think Uncle Sam would do that for you? Absolutely not. You'd spend the rest of your life with me in the federal prison. But when that same servant went out, now, I mean, this man is probably thanking the Lord. He's jumping up and down. He's excited that he has... Be, right? He should be ecstatic because now he knows his, his future is secure. $14 billion, I mean, that was a lodestone of weight. I mean, all of us or most of us know what it's like to be in debt and to, you know, have the credit or have those people calling you. And we don't like to hear that. We don't want to hear that. And so we know that this man was ecstatic. And so he goes out and he found one of his other fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, a denaro, we all know, is equal to a day's late wages. Uh, according to Google, that's $137, and so I need to talk to my boss and say, hey, you need to owe me, a, you, you need to pay me $137 a day instead of what you've been paying me. And he'll probably laugh at me, okay? But that's about $13,000. So anyway, from anywhere from $8,000 to $13,000 that this servant owed him. Now, that is repayable. It's not easy, but you can repay that, amen? Okay. And seizing him, he began to choke. And here's a really interesting word. The word for choke or to be seized is nigo. Nigo. I mean, so you know, the, the picture is of, of this is this, this man in anger, and he's angry. He picks up this man by the throat, and he's picking up, and he's shaking him. That's, that's an awful lot of anger right there. Nigo. Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down. And pleaded with him, have patience. But this man said, no, I'm not having any mercy on you. I'm going to throw, I'm throwing a book at you. Well, people saw what he did. And in life, people see what you do. And they saw that and they were grieved and greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. You know, I found out in life that, you know, secrets don't say secret. What is done in the dark will be brought to light. Well, they saw that, and they went to the master, and the master said, you wicked servant, I forgave you. Shouldn't you have had mercy? You know, when this man, this servant, was angry, it reminded me of, in verse 28, it reminds me of Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, and the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, 
Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. These things are really kind of weird. Okay, um, falling off there. So anyway, we go to this anger. Anger is like something that wants to control you. Have you ever been so angry that you step back and you realize that's not you? That's anger. And anger will grab you, hold you, and hold you tight and make you its puppet. Amen? Have you been angry like that when you don't even realize who you are? Well, that's what anger does to you. And anger is part and parcel to unforgiveness. You see, this this person had a lot of unforgiveness in his heart. Sin wants to master you. Now, that word grieved, you know, means to have a chip on your shoulder. You may feel like you have the right to be so. And, you know, being angry, it kind of feels good at times, right? I mean, it feels that righteous anger. But remember, no man is an island unto himself, and others are watching you, like your kids. How many of you have said something in anger, and your kid was watching you, and a little while later, that kid says the same word that you said, and you're going, and your wife's saying, what did you say? (laughs) And the guy says, yeah, I, I did that. Unforgiveness also hinders your Christian witness. So quickly, here are some points that I want to make. The onus or the burden of forgiveness is upon us. It's not upon the other person. It's not about the person who offended you. It's on you. Jesus, didn't, you know, Jesus said, you forgive them 77 times. Now, I don't mean to make light of this, but I know that many of us have, are bearing wounds and scars that are very deep, and they hurt. Jesus says to give them up. That's the word forgiveness, to let go. And I know that's hard, and there's a way, of, and I think I found a way to do that. We can't wait for the other person to come to us and apologize. You know, in the world today, we see a lot of folks saying, well, I will, I will, I will forgive them when they come to apologize to me. I mean, that guy, obviously he was in the wrong. He needs to come to me and apologize to me. How many of us have done that before? He's got to come to me, and then I will apologize. No, it doesn't mean that. Jesus says you must forgive. Doesn't mean you go to him. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to wait for him, that person to come to you. You make it right. So I say a lot of folks doing that. In God's economy, it doesn't matter. We are to forgive. So why should I forgive that trespass? Why should I? And a lot of folks will say, why should I forgive that man? Or why should I forgive that person? Or why should I forgive? Do you love God? Well, yes, I love God. Honestly? Well, honestly, I love God. Well, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? You will do as I tell you to do. You will follow my commandments. Amen? Okay, I will, you will follow my commandments. Because he said so. That's why we need to forgive. Okay, that's a good reason. Because the master said we must forgive. Now, it goes deeper than that. You know, Jesus is not making a suggestion. Could you, could you just think about it? If in the goodness of your heart, could you please forgive this guy? No, he's saying you will forgive. God doesn't bargain with us. So, here's where humility and sacrifice come in. You see, as I said, 
forgiveness is the highest expression of agape love. Because in it, humility. We have to have that humility to say, I'm sorry, and also to say, I forgive. And sacrifice. Sacrifice meaning I don't have the right to carry this grudge. I have to sacrifice this. Because there's a lot of good that can come out of that. Now, many times we don't want to forgive because of pride. Pride. Then I get a lot of amens. I don't want to forgive because I have pride. You hurt my feelings. You made me mad. Grr, I'm mad at you. In essence, you are letting your anger get the best of you. You know, the other day when that guy honked at me, it was my pride. I was probably at fault, but I got angry. and It was my pride. Well, how dare he honk at me? I'm a great driver. Okay, you're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> okay, I'm a great driver. And it was my pride. So, you know, we have to, there's some time when we have to let that pride go. You say you're letting your anger get the best of you. Humility says you will not be ruled by your anger. Now, humility doesn't mean that you let people run all over you. It's when Jesus said, you know, blessed are the meek, it meant people who are powerful, but they can control your, their power. So humility doesn't mean you let people walk over you. You don't. You're controlling your anger. Now, here's the deal with this. is 98% of the time, think about this, 98% of the people time, when someone offends you, they don't even know they offended you. Amen? How many times do you think, yeah, he probably stayed up late at night last night just to, just to offend me? We'd like to think that, but most of the time, we don't even remember. That guy doesn't even know what he did. And especially us guys, we don't, we're oblivious. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that most men, we don't remember what we said seven minutes ago. Okay, we don't. Uh, and so we don't realize, many times, we don't realize we offended somebody. So the ability, and now we have an opportunity as a Christian, in humility, you could go to that brother and say, do you realize what you said? In humility. You must go in humility. Because if you go with that pride and a sense of, I, I'm aggrieved and I'm better than you, you're not going to have the results that you look for. You're going to get a fight because of pride. So we have the opportunity to make what's right. Go to them. Because many times they're going to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize I was being a jerk. A lot of times we don't because we don't see what we're doing a lot of times. Now that 2% when that person really was being a jerk, guess what? We're still commanded to forgive. But we must do that in humility. Now, the question is, is we know why we should forgive. But now the question is, is how? That's the hard thing. Because a lot of conventional wisdom says you got to forgive and forget, right? How many times have we heard forgive and forget? It goes hand in hand. Well, sometimes it's hard to forget. Honestly, it is hard to forget. And feelings, you get really caught up in your feelings. Amen? And so we have a hard time saying, I forgive, because we feel like we can't forgive. A very wise woman, uh, her name was Sandy Wilson, taught me a very, very, very powerful lesson about what it means to forgive. She said, forgiveness is a choice. 
that I make. You see, you have the choice to forgive or not to forgive. You know, we know that God says you must forgive, but in our heart, we have a choice. We always have a choice, amen? And so we have a choice to say, I forgive or I don't. I choose to forgive. So feelings don't always tell you the truth, and we know that. Feelings can lie to you, flat out lie. But the truth is, is that I choose to forgive you. I choose to let go of that hurt. I choose to not hold you accountable for that. I choose to do that. I choose to let go. And sometimes you have to say that over and over and over, but because you have made the choice to forgive. It may not feel like it, but again, feelings do not always tell you the truth. Amen? And that's what really helped me to learn to forgive. Because I always felt that, you know, you forgive and forget. I can't forget a lot of things, and neither can any of us. But we can forgive. And when, that, when Satan brings up that, that offense once again to you, you say, I choose to forgive. I will not hold this. I choose to let it go. And that really helped me a lot on my, wor- on my journey of learning to forgive. To give up and to ha- say, I have a choice in that. I have power to do that. I choose to submit to the Lord to give up. Now, the benefits of forgiving, A, when you learn to forgive and when you make this the way of your life, you will have a deeper relationship and appreciation for what God has done for you. I mean, the knowing is easy. The doing is hard. Amen? I made that up this morning. I like that one. The knowing is easy. Yeah, you can fill your mind with all types of good stuff, but doing it, that's the hard thing. But when you learn to be a forgiving person, your walk with the Lord will be deeper and richer. Why? Because you now know what He went through. We've begun to understand the depths of His forgiveness and that He forgave us. You know, Jesus said on the cross, as He was dying, scourged and beaten, crown of thorns, mocked. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Doesn't he say that to every single one of us? Every son and daughter of Adam and Eve. Does he not say that to you? Father, forgive Jim, because he doesn't know what he's doing. Father, forgive Jesse, because he doesn't know what he's doing. He asks that for us. He asked the Father to forgive us. And if God forgave us, can we not be forgiving? What did Jesus do to deserve what He got? Nothing other than that He was the Son of God. What did we deserve? What do we deserve? Because we are rebels. We are hostile towards Christ. We don't deserve the forgiveness of Christ. But guess what? We have it. The other thing, and another great benefit of learning to forgive, is stress. Your stress levels will go way down. Instead of carrying a burden that you were never meant to carry, you give that up, and that's, you, you will be released a lot of your stress. And doctors will tell you that stress is a killer. Stress can lead to all sorts of bad things in your life. 
Amen? So when you learn to give that up, guess what? You don't have stress. You're freer. God wants us to be free today. And I'm going to leave off with this. I think I've preached almost about 30 minutes. That's, that's amazing. You, you, know, you know why Baptist preachers, you know why Methodist preachers only preach for 30 minutes or 20 minutes? It's to beat the Baptist to lubies. Amen? Okay. If you're from the Methodist church, you'll nod. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, I'm a soldier. And I've lived a soldier's life. And in uh, war, not much good It comes out of war. And I was over in Afghanistan back in 2009 and 2010, and I saw a lot of bad things, and I saw some really wonderful things. But I was with another chaplain by the name of Tom Drake uh, with the 16th MP Brigade, 82nd Airborne. And they were, they were with us over in Afghanistan, and Tom told me a story that happened to him when he was in Iraq at Camp Cropper. Camp Cropper is a big prison camp. It holds up to 23,000 people. That's massive. And it's hot in Iraq. You know, it's, it's really hot there, and it's miserable. Well, he tells, tells me a story about these two young men. They were both best friends from the same hometown. They went to the same grade school and high school. They were best friends. They did everything together. So when they graduated from high school, they joined the Army together. Uh, and they went to basic and AIT together. And then they were put in the same division, the same brigade, the same battalion, the same company, and the same squad. Those boys were inseparable. Wherever one was, the other one was never far away. And some of us have had brothers that are, and sisters that are so close to you that you just do everything together. Well, privates, they, uh, well, that's one of the reasons why they have chaplains in the army is to keep privates from doing stupid things. We're not always successful because they do some really boneheaded things. But anyway, these two boys, their job was to do mobile patrol. What's mobile patrol? Mobile patrol is driving around in a Humvee around Camp Cropper for eight hours a day in full battle rattle or full battle gear, which meant the IOTV, which is that improved operational tactical vest, which weighs about 35 pounds, their M9 pistol, their M4, their Kevlar helmet, uh, and, I mean, the DAP system and everything, and they get to drive around all day long. Well, they get breaks every now and again, and that's probably one of the most boring things that you can do is driving around in a circle for hours on end and not go to sleep. Well, you know, every hour they got a little bit of time to go uh, to sit down in the shade. There was, they, had a little shade, they had some shade trees and a little park bench right in front of brigade headquarters, and they would go and sit and talk and just goof off being... 19-year-old boys, and uh, they started doing something really boneheaded, stupid, that nobody knew that they were doing, but they were playing drawdown. What's that? They would take their M9 pistol and make sure there was no bullets in there. They checked the chamber, make sure there's nothing in there, and they were always wearing their IOTV, and then they'd try to see who could outdraw each other. Can you say bonehead? That was stupid. Well, they would do that, and they were doing that for a while because they're bored and they're boys. And then my friend Tom said one day they were in brigade headquarters and they heard a shot ring out. And they ran out, him and the brigade commander and the sergeant major, and they saw a young man cradling his best friend in his arms. His best friend was bleeding out. And as they got up here, the young man said, I know you didn't mean to do it. And he died 
in the sands of Iraq. Well, his best friend who did that deed was beyond grief. He wanted to die. He had just killed his best friend one shot. And he wanted to die. Well, they couldn't keep him in Iraq. They had to send him back to Fort Bragg. And so Tom, my friend, uh, flew back with him all the way to Fort Bragg, trying to comfort this young man, trying to give him solace. And this young man was inconsolable. He had shot his best friend. And so they put him in the brig, and he thought he was just going to be left to rot there. And he felt he should be left to rot for what he had done, his best friend, never to know the joy of another another day. And here he is in a brig in South Carolina. Well, the, the parents of the other young man who died, they wanted to see this boy. They went. They went all the way to Fort Bragg, and they, they asked the commander, we want to see this young man. And the young man said, no, I don't want to see them. I want them to curse me. I want them to spit on me. I want them to hate me because of what I have done. And the commander and Tom said, no, you're going to see them. You're going to see his parents. And so they brought him out from the brig, and they sat him down. And the couple looked very old. You do that when you lose your favorite son. And they said to this young man, our son is gone now. You're our son. We forgive you. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Isn't that the truth of it? That we killed the Son of God. We were the ones who put the the nails into his wrists. We were the one who put him on that cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive. That's what Jesus did. And what God said to us, not only do I forgive you, you are my child. Can you not learn to forgive? Can you not be free from your anger? I give you the way out of anger. Be like me. Forgive. Because Jesus adopted us into his family. He didn't have to. That's the thing. He didn't have to. And the more you study, the more you learn about God's grace, you realize he didn't have to do that. But he did it. Like his parents, they adopted this young man and said, we forgive you 100%. You're our son now. You will carry our name Isn't that what God did to us? We carry his name today. We're called Christians. Amen. The knowing is easy. The doing is hard. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for this day, always. We thank you for another day to praise you, to live for you, to grow in you, to grow to be like you. Lord, I pray that today that you would open our hearts to your word. Lord, and thank you for allowing me to be here and using me, imperfect as I am, Father God, that I am able to just be able to speak your words and what you want for us in our lives today. To learn to forgive, to learn to give those things up that hurt us, to give them to you. 
whose shoulders are big and broad enough to carry it. Father, as we go forth this week, may we glorify you in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we think. May we lift you high, and may we love one another. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, I pray these things. Amen.